Our sermon this afternoon with a much simpler title is for Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Things the Lord Hates. Good afternoon, everyone. I thought I had a break when I saw Curtis's name up there. Sat back down, breathed a sigh of relief. Then I had to get my juices going again. <laughs> there are six things that the Lord hates. We see this in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 22. Are we guilty of any of these things that we will see listed here? Or do you know someone who may be guilty of some of these things that are listed here? Now let's see what they are first in Proverbs 6, chapter 6, verses 16 on through to 22. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. So we know that there are many other things that God dislikes that he calls uh, an abomination like adultery. Verse 17, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. That is, they stir up dissension. And you can look at verses 12 through 15, and you can see a comparative, uh, comparative words that relate to what we just read. But we're going to look at just one of these six things that the Lord hates, and that is the proud look. And the cause behind this proud look which is self-pride. Pride. Why pride? Because we know that pride can hinder one's going to God. It can hinder them coming to God. It can hold them back because they have this carnal, selfish pride that's in them. Now, pride can be self-deceiving. And some might say, well, what's wrong with pride? Shouldn't we be uh, uh, proud of our achievements, our discoveries? And what's wrong with a little self-satisfaction? So there are many things that one can take pride in. He can take pride in his job, in his family, and titles, his country, his car, his sports teams, his clubs, his talent, his education, his health and strength, and other accomplishments accomplishments and so on and so on so these are things that maybe are okay to have but when is pride okay and when is it not okay well it's when pride goes to one's head to where there is there is much narrow-mindedness there's no openness we read in Proverbs 6, verse 18, where it says, 
that pride goes before destruction. That is, it goes before a ruin. And a haughty spirit before a fall. It's kind of like a coal that comes around. If your body, your, your system, immune system is not up to par, this pride can have its way. It can sneak in. So pride is like arrogance. Now there was a rich farmer who had no need for God. He had everything. He was self-sufficient. And he laid out a nice plan for, for himself, for his life. And he had a, the farmer had a bumper crop that he just, there was just so much that he couldn't store it all. And so he was proud of his accomplishment. So he said to himself, I've got plenty of good things laid up. For many years, I'll take life easy. But God said to him, and this is in Luke 12, if you want a reference to that, Luke 12, 18 through 20. I'll take life easy for many years. And God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? So sometimes arrogance, sometimes pride can get between you and the Lord God. And it can lead to ruin. So there's a good kind of pride to have. There's a bad kind of pride to have. And we have to know what it is. What kind of pride that God might want to be looking for. So a little pride may seem okay. But like that commercial. I forgot what company it is. It does it. But it asks well when is okay not okay. The Bible which is the word of God. Speaks much about this attitude. This attitude of, of pride, which can be an arrogance. Like, look at me, I'm hot stuff. I know this, you don't know that. And so we come across as pride and arrogance. All of those things that the Lord hates. So today, we'll look at this origin of pride. Where it comes from. And... You know, the Bible tells us also what pride can lead to. So there is a peril in having pride. And then it also gives us what the opposite attitude of pride we should have. Let's go to Isaiah in the first example of pride. Isaiah chapter 14 and beginning verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Lucifer, literally, it means the... Uh, the day star. And it refers to Satan. Before he became the adversary. O Lucifer son of the morning. You know, he was known as, the, as a light bearer. How are you cut down to the ground. Which did weaken the nations. So his being cut down to the ground. Made him adverse to God's people. He originated sin. He was called, he's called that wicked one in the Bible. He is called a deceiver. He is called a murderer. He's called an accuser of the brethren. Now the name Lucifer also means brightness. You know when you uh, see someone that has, seems to have all the knowledge, all the answers. You know they're considered bright. But this is symbolic also of the king of Babylon. 
king of Babylon had splendor. He had pride. And that led to his downfall. And we see that it also represents how Satan the devil. How he, his pride led to his downfall. Verse 13. How did it do that? How did, what did pride lead to? It said because you had said in your heart. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. Above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. The sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And so eventually we read where this foolish kind of pride just led to his downfall. Five times we see in these two verses. That the personal pronoun I was used five times, this verse. So these were all ambitious kind of thoughts on the part of the king of Babylon. Who also represented the first of a succession of rulers and empires that were to rise and fall. Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and a new one, new world order they think that is to come. And Daniel saw these also. So we see where ambitions to rule. More than what their position allows. But they see themselves as above the law. Yet verse 15. The prophecy tells us that Satan is going to be bound during the millennium. And eventually banished into the blackness or the darkness of, of uh, Oh, banned into the darkness by Christ. Verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit. And it's speaking of this king in this case. They that see you shall narrowly look upon you. And consider you saying. Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did shake the kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness? And destroyed the cities thereof. That opened not the house of his prisoners. You know showing no mercy. To those that were enslaved to him. No mercy to his enemies. So we see what. Pride can do. And it hurts other people. Ezekiel chapter 8. Another example of what pride can lead to. Verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me. That's Ezekiel. Saying. Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up. Heart is lifted up, just like before where we see uh, the previous king of Babylon saying, I will rise above God, the throne of God. And you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas. That's, you know, in the midst of the people. Yet you are a man and not God. Though you set your heart as a heart of God, it's still immortal. There is no God but God who has that power and that strength. Behold, you're wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from you. With your wisdom and with your understanding, you have gotten you riches. You've gotten gold and silver into your treasures. All of these things leading to how much this man has. Like that 
that uh, farmer that had all that grain, a bumper crop. By, the, by your great wisdom and by your traffic, have you increased your riches? Tra word traffic is like uh, trading and dealing. And your heart is lifted up because of your riches. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers upon you, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom, and they shall defile your brightness. They shall bring you down to the pit, and you shall die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Will you yet say before them that slay you, I am God? When you're under their power, when you are under their control, and you're facing the fate that they have in store for you, will you still say to them, I am God? But you shall be a man and know God in the hand of him that slays you. Verse 10, you shall die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, says the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Uh, the name given for the king of Tyrus uh, in one source, according to Josephus, in case you, know, just in case you want to know, it's Ethobolus, Ethobolus II. And say unto him, Thus says the Lord God, You seal up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, that is the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, or the turquoise, and gold. The workmanship of your tabrets, that is the temples or tambourine, and of the pipes, which is said to be a bezel for a gem, which I don't fully understand, that particular workmanship, was, prepare, was prepared in, the, in you in the day that you were created. You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Some have interpreted this particular uh, phrase to mean maybe the galaxy or the universe or the solar system where you know, we have uh, the planets and also the stars and planets in further distance. Now, you remember that there was war in heaven in the very distant past, billions of years ago, that brought ruin to the earth and broke up those planets and some of those moons throughout the universe. And we see the debris of them floating around in space as asteroids and comets and so on. So we know that there was war in heaven because God created earth and the universe in perfect condition. Verse 15, he also created this being. He said, you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Iniquity is just lawlessness. So he had stopped obeying the laws of God. He became rebellious. He became disobedient. And again, lawless became above the law. Verse 16, by the multitude of your material, 
that's merchandise and, and all the goods. They have filled the midst of you, that's the heart and soul of this being, with violence. He couldn't get enough. He wanted more. So he resorted to violence. And you have sinned. Therefore I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Going to destroy him from the uh, midst of the stones of fire. Verse 17. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Sometimes a person thinks they're so handsome, so beautiful, and they just can't help but walk vainly. I know I would probably because, you know, human nature just wants you to, you know, just um, ad advertise your good looks and so on. You were corrupted by your wisdom by reason of, the bright of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. You know, the, 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 this description is pretty similar to what we read over there in Isaiah. Verse 18, you have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities. By the iniquity, that is the wickedness, of your traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the middle of you, from the midst of thee. It shall devour you. And I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. You know, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. You know, that's man's fate. When he dies, and if he's there in the grave for a long, long time, that's what he's going to turn to is ashes. I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. So he returns to the earth from which he was made or created. All, that they, all they that know you among the people shall be astonished at you. You shall be a terror. And never shall you be any more. Shows what is going to happen to those who are disobedient. Who become rebellious. Who because of their vanity and their pride meet their downfall. It becomes a terror because that person knows better that that person should not do it. That he should not be like that. Become like that. Facing that same kind of fate. In both the books of Isaiah. And Ezekiel. We see these earthly kings. King of Babylon. King of Tyre. As under the sway of Satan. Who use their vanity. And their position of power. To not only rule. But to empower themselves along the way. And sometimes. They, they knew what they were doing. And sometimes they didn't. And in the world today, in countries large and small, there is the corrupting influence of pride. And it's seen and felt because we can see it taking place. Ephesians chapter 6, there's a battle for our mind in this world today. That battle is one in which Forces want to drain us. To drain our minds of godliness and uh, morality. The Apostle Paul says in verse 10. Finally, henceforth. From now on, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord. So we know these things. 
But we can't be weak. We have to be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Which sometimes it's hard to, hard to know because we just wonder. Well, you know, we pray to God. We pray for his strength. We pray that we might have faith to overcome whatever adversity or maybe uh, something we don't know about. But if we look around at creation, we see that there is evidence of his power. The power of his might. And he says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil means he has a strategy. Something that he is trying to put forth into our minds that will either mislead us, misguide us. These are the wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These are things that we can't see. It's not like a physical thing that we see. It's something that is in our thoughts and in our hearts and in our souls that we have to be aware of. Be aware of. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, and not just one, but the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Verse 14. Stand therefore. That's you know. Like. I've read that this is like a military term. Which means to. Uh, hold your position. To resist. Having your loins. Gird about. With. Truth. Truth. I underlined truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Truth. And. Righteousness, having your loins girt about with those things. Now you can read the rest of uh, chapter 6 to see what other uh, pieces of armor that we need, spiritual armor. But truth and righteousness we know is put to the test every day in our life. We see it in our society. So there is, in a way, a sense of urgency to always be on guard with at least truth and righteousness. So we know that the devil, that is Satan, that is evil, works. They, there's, a, there's a strategy and a plan. And he wants to take as many as he can down with him. Verse 13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge and understanding among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his conduct, his works with meekness. That's mildness and humility of wisdom. Godly wisdom. And practicing what they teach. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envying. And strife. In your hearts. Don't glory in that. Don't be self seeking in that. Don't lie. Don't boast. Not against the truth. Though there may be disagreements. There may be strife. That wisdom. That comes from above. Is one of love. And is something that a lot of people in this world, they may speak of something good, but then they do something else, and it just doesn't fit together. It doesn't, uh, the, this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. You know, the world is always seeking to discredit in some way the Lord and his truth. Verse 16, for where envying and strife 
is there is confusion in every evil work. So where there is jealousy, where there is uh, ambition, there is every evil work. Let's look at our society today. There are strifes of many sorts, pride and ambition, seeking to establish a position in man's eyes, in his good graces, other than God's. And there is no, really no, tranquility in that pursuit. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. But what we, do we see today? We see bias, the favoring of one side in a dispute. No matter the truth or the fact checking, it's all lost in the shuffle of words. And the fearful thing is, is that God sees this. He sees what's taking place. He knows what's in our heart. He knows what's in our mind. He sees the lying. He sees the corruption and the pride, the hypocrisy. And the downfall that it is going to lead to. Because he says I will break the pride of your power. Our power kind of rests in our economy. And it rests in our military. But with the wrong kind of pride. We see where God said I will break the pride of your power. Because you don't put trust in me. So that's the fearful thing. Is that God sees this. The lying and so on. Verse 18. But the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. And of them that make peace. You know Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount. Said blessed are the peacemakers. So. <clears throat> we ask ourselves. Well how do we remove ourselves from the waywardness. Of this worldly Pride. 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. There are so many things in the world that draws our attention, that draws our loyalty, that draws our thoughts and, and um, pride. And if any man love the world, <clears throat> the love of the Father is not in him. God desires our attention. But if it is turned toward the things of the world. We are not the children of the father. He's not pleased with us. Verse 16. For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. And the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. Is not of the father. But of the world. Pride of life. You know some people might respond. Well it's my life. Let me alone. I'll do what I want. I've got my pride. And, and so on and so on. But the world. Verse 17. But the world passes away. And the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God. Abides forever. In my Nelson study Bible. <clears throat> the commentator states that. Though all people are tempted in different ways due to you know, various weaknesses that we have. Temptations, they follow a pattern. And that 
that appeals first to the lust of the flesh. Those are like physical desires. And two, lust of the eyes, personal desires. And the pride of life, which is self-interest. Having to go on a diet. I'm not, not good at diets. But I have lusted after physical desires. Food, food, food. And I never saw so many commercials on TV about food. I never paid that much attention to them. Go buy a billboard. There's a sign. Tacos for $1.50 or something like Donuts, you know. It, but you get what, what I'm talking about. There is, this is where it all starts. And if I go off of my diet, then I put myself in jeopardy because I'm trying to lower, you know, blood pressure. I'm trying to lower my, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it, Caroline? I need to. No. See, if it weren't for her, I wouldn't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I should have done that when I was younger. I was doing it when I was younger. I was running, I was doing all sorts of sports and things like that, and I just got lazy. I started to take it easy. Chips, popcorn, soda pop. Sleeping late. Doing stuff like that. It catches up with you. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrist. Antichrist in, in uh, people, teachers, books, movies, uh, TV shows, music. They're Antichrists that are getting across a subtle message that is trying to draw out, to drain you of godliness. Whereby we know that it is the last time. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. And this is not really applying to, say, a particular church body, but it's applying to the Christian faith. Faith in following Jesus Christ. In verse 20 of that uh, chapter, it says, But you have an unction. An anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. And you know the truth. And the spirit that will guide you into all truth. Read the rest of that. I didn't write that down on your, on your handout. But go through verses 24 through 28. Let's go now to Daniel chapter 10. This is when uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He also was befelled by pride. Here's what happened. Verse 18. O you king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, and majesty and glory and honor. So this, this happened to uh, his uh, progeny, his son of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, that was part of his majesty, nations and languages, they trembled and feared before him. Whom he, whom he would, he slew. He took a notion to slay you, to kill you. He did that. And whom he would, 
he put down. Put him down different ways. Put him down maybe by just hanging a sign on their door and saying, here lives, here lives so-and-so. Gives him a nickname. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts. And his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God, till he understood that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men. And that he appoints over it whomsoever he will. Mark chapter 7. Verse 20. What does pride do? It says it defiles. And he said that which comes out of the man. That, def that defiles a man. For from within out of the heart of men. Proceeds evil. Evil thoughts. Adulteries. Covetousness. Wickedness. Deceit. Lasciviousness. An evil eye. Blasphemy. Pride, foolishness. This comes out uh, of the heart of man and it defiles the man. Pride can be defiling. Verse 23, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. So, is it too late for the world to change its ways? Never too late. You remember Nineveh, how Jonah had preached to the Ninevites and they fasted, and they prayed, and they repented. Psalm 10, verse 4, pride hinders coming to God, as I mentioned earlier. Verse 4, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not, you know, in, in all his thoughts, it says. His ways are always grievous. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight, as for all his enemies, he puffs at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I got all this pride. For I shall never be in adversity. His mouth, verse 7, is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. So pride can hinder one's coming to God. They don't want to give up the things that they take pride in, whatever that uh, might be. That is, until there comes some sort of an attention getter, a wake-up call, or until what we look forward to is that testimony of the two witnesses who will bring the gospel, the good news, and, and the warning and prophecy, prophecies of the things that are to come. But even then, some won't choose the right direction, give up their pride. Here's what First Peter in, verse, in chapter 3 says about selfish pride. Verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You know, our memory, uh, things that we remember is very important to us. When we know something has not done, done us well in the past, we remember that and we seek ways to avoid it. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the Holy Spirit prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying well where's the promise of his coming 
For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Everything's going the same as it has now as it was in the past. For this they willingly are ignorant. Uh, they really don't want to know whether the day is coming upon them today or in the future or next week, next, next month, whatever. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So we know that there was a flood a long time ago that punished the vi uh, violence that was going on. But the heavens, in verse 7, <clears throat> something we should you know, really uh, look at, and really not be afraid of, but, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The heavens and the earth are reserved not to water or flood, but unto fire, heat, so on. Psalm 73, <clears throat> pride is deceitful and is characteristic of the wicked who are blinded by it. And we might even envy the wicked as you know, sometimes Christians do. Here we are being good, coming to church on the Sabbath, keeping the holy days, keeping the commandments, and yet we see this amongst us. You know, doing, just trying to save, serve the Lord. And so the psalmist here in verse 5, he bemoans this about uh, those that are wicked. He says, they are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt. And speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. And their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore his people return here. And waters of the full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. And they increase in riches. Because they don't think there is a God. They don't think there is a God that knows more than they do. So pride and high-mindedness is also characteristic of the last days. You know, the Bible says that we, we don't always know what to pray for. But when you start the prayer, sometimes you think, well, where is this prayer going? Who, is God really listening? And do I really have something uh, important to say? What can I say? You know, we, we pray for one another. We put their names in our prayer. And um, <clears throat> there was one night where I had gone to the backyard early morning hours and I stood there and asked, well, what do I pray for? Because the prayers that I had made in the past, they had all come to pass, I thought. And I said, oh, what is there to pray for? Well, <clears throat> it wasn't long after that that I had that uh, stroke. <laughs> and uh, I prayed. So here I am today for whatever reason. For ever how long, I, I attribute it to, well, I got something to pray for now. Not only for myself, but for others, because it says in your bulletin that we pray for others in order that we 
be healed. And I read in the Psalms where David, when his friends, even his enemies, were sick, he fasted for them and he prayed for them. But they didn't know that. Yet they were turning against him. So pride and high-mindedness is also characteristic of the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 4. In the last days, <clears throat> perilous times shall come, dangerous times shall come. Men, women also, both young and old, shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, greedy, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, and we know where that goes, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. And when you look at those words, each one of those words carries a very terrible meaning for those who are at the end of that type of, of uh, attitude. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Turn away from those things. When, you, when it comes to your mind that, oh, I'm, I'm being heady, I'm being high-minded, turn away from it. So to some, these may seem like, you know, admirable traits. They tell it like people, you know, they like people that tell it like it is. They speak their minds, do as they please, with the appearance of a little bit of piety in there, like it's the right thing to do. It's like the blind leading the blind. They are self-deceived. And these are, <clears throat> these are characteristics of the last days. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity does already work. He works in society. He works in our minds. He works in what we hear. He works in what we read. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. That's this mystery of iniquity. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, in them that are dying, because they're not doing the right thing, because they receive not the love of the truth. You know, they let it go. They let Bible study go. They let prayer go. They let fellowship go, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks all the way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Wherefore he called you by our gospel, that's, you know, Paul and Timothy's pre preaching, the apostles' preaching, to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, Therefore, brethren, again, stand fast. You know, hold your position. Guard your uh, position in the truth. And hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts. And establish you in every good word and work. Romans 11.20 just says. I just 
reference that, be not high-minded. That is, you know, be, or haughty, but, uh, but have fear. We know that God gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter chapter 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. And, or but, he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Greater, it says, is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's 1 John 4.4. 4. But humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, casting, verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You have a care in your life. You have a concern in your life. You have some sort of thing in your life that you don't really understand. Go to God. Because he cares for how you think. He cares for what you do. Verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about. Seeking whom he may devour. So, <clears throat> this... We know that Satan is our enemy. And if he can get one of those, hold of one of those things that the Lord hates, he'll work with it. He'll work with a lying tongue. If a person is prone to lying, he'll just increase it ever more and more. Or if pride, if you have something that makes you proud, he will use that against you. He deceives the whole world. But we know that it won't be too long in the coming few weeks days, you know, there will be the, the Feast of Trumpets in which we will look forward to his return and to the resurrection that is, that is promised in, in a future day that is to come. So, that, will time, that time will come when there is the culmination of the end of this age and Satan and his ways are ended. But, don't let self-pride, don't let arrogancy be your downfall. 